This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Tuesday, March 28th, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family still celebrating the launch of the MyPillow version 2.0. Get a promo code STEAK here. You're going to get buy one, get one free. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched the My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. You get a promo code STEAK there. You're going to get 25% off your order, 50% when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak if you want the pillows. MyStore.com forward slash steak if you want the coffee. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear. The world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at odyssey whether you're gaming potting trying not to become a victim of trans terror get those ear needs taken care of and done up right odyssey.com is the website you can find them on instagram you can find them on facebook friends don't forget to follow the show on instagram at steak for podcast breakfast there you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias the website our newest Substack, telegram channel and more on that note to everyone joining us today from the republican high command instagram discord and now via our verified accounts on twitter getter and true social welcome Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 225. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Guys, we've got a packed show. Joe Kent's going to be stopping by. So's Gavin Wax. We've got a lot of news to talk about, Trump rallies, Trump meltdowns, and everything in between. But before we get into any of that, let's take it up to Capitol Hill. All right, kicking off this big Tuesday edition of the show. This is the Steak for Breakfast podcast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back. And as promised, and joining us first on the show today, he's the congressman representing Florida's 7th District, Mr. Corey Mills. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ron. Oh, it's our pleasure, sir. How's everything going with you? I mean, our listenership doesn't isn't privy to our conversations offline, but I can only assume that you've been a little bit busy lately. <laughs> well, yeah, so, you know, unfortunately... Uh, as they say, when you're over target, uh, expect to receive flack. And, you know, clearly we, we didn't, uh, come into Congress, not do anything. So, you know, we've got one bill already, uh, sponsored and on the floor, HR 63, we've co-sponsored over 30 plus bills. Uh, we've retrieved over 150,000 plus dollars in back benefits for constituents and 
you know, done a lot with dozens of passport support stuff and, and VA uh, appointment things. And, you know, we're trying to just stay real active, not just here in D.C., but also in the district is trying to support constituents. And clearly that's upsetting the left because now they're wanting to try and, you know, take time to do attack and hit pieces on us, which are slanderous, which um, now they want to retract since our attorneys have pointed out the malice behind it. Um, and then you, you know, the worst part is, is even not just from the left, I mean, the right also, we, we're so bad about attacking our own and we will literally talk about how bad the left is and how their journalism is not true journalism. And yet we'll utilize the left's journalism to try and attack other people because we didn't like them in the primaries or we didn't get our preferred candidate to win. And so I don't know, I think we almost do their bidding for them in some cases. Yeah, there's a lot of self-inflicted wounds in in the Republican Party, especially right now as the uh, presidential primary season has been heating up. Uh, That's right. I'm sure you've been tracking a lot on that as well. (laughs) How do you think that's been going so far for everybody that's announced and maybe some who aren't? Well, I can tell you, you know, it's interesting. Everybody wants to try and get out in front and say, well, either, you know, you have endorsed so-and-so or you haven't endorsed so-and-so. Why not? Why this? And I think that, you know, a lot of people need to understand that there's some strategy to politics and to endorsements and to releases and things like this. And, you know, right now, not all the candidates who are going to be into the presidential race have entered. Uh, there's many who are still trying to determine whether or not it's a good time to uh, come in, whether or not they've built up their national name ID enough, whether they've got enough. Uh, kind of recognition in the areas like in the Rust Belt and things like that to be able to swing certain votes. And so, you know, a lot of things come in and a lot of things are, are kind of factored. Um, what I would tell you is, is that as a Floridian, uh, you know, it's exceptionally difficult. What I can say confidently is that the next president of the United States is going to come from Florida. Um, what I can say is, is that there are great things that I see uh, in the state of Florida. Our governor is, is hands down the greatest governor in the, in the nation right now. Um, greatest, greatest governor I've ever had in my lifetime. Uh, President Trump, easily one of the best foreign policy and domestic policy presidents I've seen in my lifetime. But I think that, you know, people have to start looking at the pros and cons of what do we need as a nation, not who's our preference, but what is best for our states, for our nation, for our children, for our grandchildren. And personally, I don't think that with the devastation under the Biden administration, and the deterioration of our republic that we only need a four-year or an eight-year steadfast conservative. We really need 12 solid years. And when I say that, I talk about the benefits of having someone like President Trump and like Governor DeSantis to be able to lead the nation and and proper stewardship. Now, the one thing I've said before, and Roan, agree, disagree, whatever, but I think the one very valuable piece of, of, of kit, if you will, that President Trump has that no other candidate who can run for the Republican Party has is that he doesn't have the looming threat of a reelection hanging over his head. Sure. He can do the things that are unpopular. He can do the things that are needed. He is not concerned about what his reelection looks like. And right now, when we have come so off the rails, whether it's our southern border, whether it's our out of control inflationary spending, whether it's our banking system and the bond collapse, whether it is the ongoing, you know, frivolous spending that we have abroad in Europe, uh, not holding NATO accountable, the China-Russia-Iran geopolitical alignment that is economically draining us. There's so much that is going on right now 
that we need a president who is ready to make those decisions day one. And for personal selfish reasons, I also wouldn't mind having a America's governor staying with us until 2024 as well. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where, like you said, it, the, the presidential, uh, season is, is ramping up. Uh, you're seeing a lot of people pitting themselves against one another in our own party. Uh, I think you called it a self-inflicting wound, which I agree with, but we have to stay together. You know, at the end of the day, it's fine to have a primary preference, but we're conservatives. We're Republicans. And if we allow ourselves to be divided within, then we're going to give openings to the Democrats to try and retain certain seats. We're going to give them an edge in certain ways. They're going to have to spend less hard dollars to try and go ahead and divide us or try and make a, a pick in some way. And so th this is the time that we need to have identified their gains and we need to stand together and stand strong regardless of the outcomes. No, that's it right there. I mean, a lot of people are young. They might have selective memories or, you know, there's so much stuff that's happened since the start of the first Trump presidency. They don't remember how bloody and nasty that 2015 presidential primary season was. But the fact of the matter is it seemed like we circled the wagons pretty well. You know, you had people like, Rand Paul out there endorsing towards the end. You had people like Ted Cruz working them phone banks uh, that a lot of people know about after, you know, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz went head-to-head -head harder than just about anybody <coughs> in that primary. And, oh, yes. and we're not even in, like you said, all the announced candidates in the race yet. So I think the most interesting parts of it are yet to come, but we do need to remember what it's like to to rally around whoever the eventual nominee is. So I do like how you def right. definitely stress that part there. Now, Congressman, I do want to talk about some of the, the busy work that you've been doing up there on Capitol Hill because there has been a lot of it lately. One of the things that specifically that we covered on the show extensively last week, we did an entire segment on it, was the uh, – the House, the, the committee work that you've been doing, the Armed Services Subcommittee that looked into the diversion, uh, equity, and inclusion mm. stuff going on within mm. our military ranks right now. I saw several congresspeople, including yourself, Matt Gates, and others, took several of our, uh, you know, four stars to task over the course of that subcommittee hearing. And listen, it's getting real bad right now. We have a lot of people who are servicemen and women who listen to the show, who always message the show and say, I literally work on trainings having to do with pronouns more than I shoot anymore. And you guys tried to highlight that on the, uh, you know, in subcommittee last week, you want to tell our listenership a little bit about what you guys had going on in there? Yeah. So, you know, basically I brought out the fact that we don't need to be focusing on things like diversion, equity, inclusion. When I served in the United States Army, I can tell you that I proudly served with a guy who was born in Cambodia, raised in California, uh, a black guy who was born in uh, Brooklyn, New York, who, you know, was an incredible, incredible team member, a guy from Lombard, uh, Illinois, uh, a Puerto Rican guy from San Juan, a Hispanic dude from Arizona. Like, it, it didn't matter. I mean, at the end of the day, we didn't have to talk about well, we need this equity or we need this inclusion, this diversity. You had diversity already. And what I wanted to point out to every single one of the panelists that was up there testifying that day, and especially under Secretary Cisneros, who is responsible for military readiness, which at this point should be military unreadiness, yeah. is that go walk through the rows and rows of headstones in Arlington and tell me how they're lined up first off. They're not lined up by gender. They're not lined up by the color of your skin or where you were born or your religious belief. They're lined up by the battlefields that you fought and died on and the people that you fought and died beside. 
And at the end of the day, if you didn't know the person who low, who was underneath that headstone, you wouldn't know or have a single clue what color of skin resides in that casket. And so this idea that we have to try and, you know, paint uh, uh, everyone by a certain broad brush color or that we have to somehow focus on things like pronouns, I'm sorry, it's absolute nonsense. That's what's like, that's, that's basically what has led to the 25,000 recruitment shortage that we have today yeah. because they have lowered the morale. They have changed our priorities from diversity, inclusion, and uh, equity as opposed to increased lethality training and military readiness. And they're sitting here focusing on pronouns. And like I explained to them, I said, I'm sure with 100% confidence that we can out-pronoun every one of our enemies. We can he, him, she, her, her better than anyone else out there. But you know what? That's not what's scaring China and Russia. What's actually making them feel more emboldened is by our priorities being reset to go to this wokeness as opposed to what our armed forces are supposed to be. Our armed forces are there to serve our nation, not to serve a political agenda. And that's one of the things that needs to be reinstated. And so I'm happy to see the Army go back to our be all you can be. I hope that we can get our actual recruitment up as we're supposed to. But you're not going to see that until you stop with things like unconstitutional vaccine mandates, pronouns and CRT DEI training, and get back to what our armed forces really stands for. Yeah, and that's protecting our country and being the beacon of uh, strength throughout the world, which right now... And fighting for the person on the left and right of you. That's the number one thing. Regardless of what they look like or what they do, because y'all are saying the same uniform representing the same greatest... We all bleed green. That's it. So, And that comes on the heels of another committee you sat in previously where you guys had uh, you know, the, the sniper who wasn't allowed to shoot on the eventual suicide bomber in Afghanistan up on Capitol Hill. Sergeant Andrew Vargas. So, such an emotional... We played a portion of it on the show. It was really hard to listen to uh cory I'm, I'm sure for the people there it, w- it was just as hard as well you want to give our listenership a little bit uh of insight on how that went down yeah so sergeant vargas andrews uh who is an, an incredible hero uh u.s marine served proudly uh he actually had the sniper position in place to help to do the overwatch necessary and at that time they had received a bolo of being on the lookout uh, the military-aged male who was walking with an older gentleman in a brown dadasha um, was exactly what they were able to pick up. And when they picked him up, they asked for permission to fire, and they were not given the authorization. They sent an individual into his tower uh, who was a psychological operations guy. He confirmed the same thing that Sergeant uh, Vargas and his team leader had uh, witnessed. They called it up, asked for authorization again. Uh, they were not given authorization, not knowing what the chain of command is, which again, this in lies yet another military strategic failure, because that means that you boarded people on an aircraft to come over to do a recovery and a airlift operation who didn't even have their escalation of force or their rules of engagement. And so he did not take that shot, uh, because of the authorization was not provided. And subsequently, uh, only moments later, uh, a large flash uh, uh, amount of pressure and uh, hundreds were dead. 13 uh, more uh, U.S. service members were killed. Yeah. And Sergeant Vargas himself had lost uh, one of his legs, one of his arms, uh, severely and catastrophically wounded, was able to be rescued and saved. Um, but again, this is the type of failure in leadership and the crisis in leadership uh, that we have across the country right now. And the bottom line is that we should have maintained Bagram Air Base the entire time. We yeah. have the necessary force protection. It would have maintained two runways simultaneously. 
And the Biden administration, this is something that's very key. When they chose, they said that we were going to get everyone out by, by September 11th. Again, setting an arbitrary timeline for political optics over a military strategy is foolish. But you know what? That was his call. And at the end of the day, he could have ran two simultaneous airways. When he took over HKIA, a commercial runway, that automatically shuts down Emirates, Cam Air, Ariana, or any other commercial airway that was running in and out of there, which means that those who had returned flights for August 20th, August 21st, August 29th, August 20th, whatever, those were immediately canceled, which meant that you are solely responsible for the entrapment of those Americans based on the fact that they had returned trips. And what really stunned me was later in the hearing when we had a follow-on hearing with Secretary Blinken, where he's stating that there's about 175 Americans that are still left there. Well, go back to March of 2021 when he said there was only a couple hundred then. And then a couple months later where there was 800. And now there's 175. The truth is, is that they don't have a clue. They're hiding their cables, which he's about to be subpoenaed for. And I don't care, you know, how this upsets people or not. But the bottom line is that I view Secretary Blinken's roles and responsibilities as the Secretary of State is to protect and safeguard the lives of Americans abroad. He failed in his duties. I find this to be a dereliction of duty. And I've actually drafted up articles of impeachment once our investigation of his next testimony is finished. If it is not substantial enough to have actually validated that he did not have a dereliction duty, I will be dropping articles of impeachment for Secretary uh, Blinken. That's so important, Congressman. You know, we, we, we've been tracking this stuff since the beginning. We try to, to provide a full splate of information to our listenership on the show. You know that. I think that's one of the reasons why you come on and you could speak so freely about all the great work you're doing. It's because we really try to keep everybody informed. It's okay to take pot shots at Joe Biden and, and Austin <coughs> Billy, Secretary Blinken, but when you really paint out the receipts of what was going on and try to deconstruct a timeline for your listenership to understand how things really happened that day and with the whole withdrawal in general, you kind of give them the opportunity to to be able to make an informed decision. And like you said, when you see the work that, you know, Millie and Austin have done, Secretary Blinken as well, in regards to this, a lot of the four stars that are operating under them and the Joint Chiefs, it was just a debacle. And it's something that I know you guys are continue to push on as well. Well, it's a debacle, and the American people deserve transparency, and the American people deserve accountability, especially those 13 Gold Star families. Absolutely. Who still have no answers and closure. Yeah, no, that's the most important part there, and they need to be, uh, you know, shown exactly what happened and why, and then the people who are responsible for the reasons that they're the, the servicemen and their children aren't here anymore, they need to be held accountable. Congressman, last thing I want to touch with Dion, huge win for House Republicans last week. H.R. 5 passed the Parents' Bill of Rights Act. You want to just tell our listenership, we know you're a parent, we know you represent a ton of families down there in Florida 7. This was a slam dunk yes vote for you, but it had to have the right stuff in it. And let our listenership know just about why uh, you made the decision to endorse it and vote behind it. Well, that's right. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I'm sick of parents being labeled as domestic terrorists simply because they want to know the curriculum is being taught to their children. The fact that that's not already transparent and being provided to them is insane to me. Their day-to-day curriculum, their ability to be able to understand what the, the teachers are actually uh, teaching in the classroom. But more than anything, what HR5 actually does is it sends a very clear message that the parental rights are far more important than the bureaucratic educators who are actually trying to dictate what kind of wokeism or what types of things our children are being taught. Sexualization is a very big thing in our schools, not just the CRT portion stuff, but that's what I wanted to go ahead and address in my bill, which will hopefully support and accompany this, which is HR 863. 
that would eliminate and go after the publishing houses who are putting in these types of pornographic or inappropriate books into our primary and secondary schools. But HR five, and again, Republicans are the party of parents. And I think that what we're seeing right now is that's why I believe firmly in addition to the numerous other atrocities that we're finding in our nation under the Biden administration, that we were selected as the majority in the Republican party or in the, in the United States house. And so what HR five does is that it gives rights back to the parents to have the transparency, to give them the right to be able to question what their children are learning in without any fear of, of, of labeling or FBI follow, you know, being weaponized against them. And so again, this is exactly what it's sad. And, and I hate that we have to vote on these types of bills, whether it's HR five or whether it was, uh, uh, the HR 26, the born alive act. I mean, these are all things that you would think is an automatic as Americans, yep. but we have to pass bills like this in order to protect rights that we should already have as Americans. So important. You know, the parents have lost their, had lost their grip on their children's education in a lot of places throughout the country. A lot of that was exposed throughout the course of the pandemic. And when parents started demanding answers, like you said, everything from just uh, secrecy that goes on behind closed doors in schools to literally our justice department and federal law enforcement agencies labeling them. And and, and I wanted to make one more comment, if I may, Rome, just giving credit to the Florida state house, Uh, the Florida state house also just passed the school choice, which was just signed into law by governor DeSantis. Uh, this is something that I would love to see nationwide. Uh, I'm one of those firm believers, and look, HR5, in my opinion, it's just the beginning. Yeah. What I think should truly happen is, is the entire abolishment of the Department of Education, removing federal government out of the educational system in its entirety, returning that back to being a state right to begin with. But HR5 is just the beginning of that. And if we do nothing, and if we say, okay, I don't want more federalization in our schools, then we're allowing the left to continue this perverse and woke ideology before we can actually defund and abolish things like the DOE to return to the states. But the, the, the great state of Florida passed school choice. I am a huge, huge, huge school choice advocate. I believe that the money should follow the children, not the zip code and the area code that you live in. I believe that when you do this, it allows parents to be able to take their children to schools who have real curriculum and it rewards good schools and it punishes those who try to continue to prey upon this perverse and CRT-based wokeism. And so this right here is a great step towards if the whole nation does this, what you'd see is a lot of the schools who are teaching this type of woke ideology will go bankrupt and won't be able to fund. And those who are actually doing the right things, they will see more money coming to their schools. They will be able to grow their curriculum in their schools. And we'll be able to get back control of what our children are being taught back to what it used to be during the time that I was in school. Well, you're correct there. And, you know, we need to get those national test scores averages back up. We've fallen so far behind on on a global scale. And then when you compare some of the states who have more math, science, language arts based curriculum compared with some of the states who just exactly who just preach and and, and teach, uh, you know, gender ideology and and rewritings of history that aren't accurate and end up with the times you see the test scores that i mean there's entire cities that don't have uh kids proficiently testing out of high school and stuff like that that's so, right 
yeah, I think uh, I think we're, it's a great step in the right direction, like you said. And, and moving forward, we know you guys are going to continue to be working on making education great for everybody again. Congressman, this is this is awesome being able to sit down with you today. Um, you know, a lot of people don't get to hear their representatives or congressmen in general. Just uh, you know, seeing snippets of them on TV or or quick hits. You come in today, you kind of laid it out for our listenership. Everything you guys got going on, the House Republican, yourself, and your district, and uh, the work never stops. So for taking time out of your busy schedule, we're going to live link your congressional website in the show description today, but where can we find you on social medias? Well, you can also find me on Twitter at Corey Mills FL. Uh, that's pretty much the same for Twitter or Instagram, uh, Facebook. I'll go ahead and tell you ahead of time. I run my own Twitter. I do not run the Instagram and the uh, Facebook that's usually handled by the official side. Um, I don't believe in supporting Zuckerbucks and I'm not a big uh, IG guy. I'm, I'm 43 years old, so I'm a bit older. But uh, I do run my own Twitter. I do follow back. I do uh, maintain. And for those of you who are in and, and you're in this room uh, in our kind of Florida Republican group, you know that even during votes and things like that, I will do uh, little DMs, letting you guys know what's going on and stuff like that. So, um, you know, th- this is about just being transparent, accessible and accountable as a elected official. It's about getting back to being a statesman. And look, I appreciate sacred breakfast. You guys have always given me an opportunity to come on. Uh, you're, you're growing rapidly. I want to continue to support that. And we need real journalism out there. And so we appreciate those who are really covering the facts. Well, we're going to continue to support you, Congressman, and uh, all the good work that you're doing up there on Capitol Hill and in your district. This is the House Rep who is serving in Florida's 7th District. Congressman Corey Mills, thanks for joining us on the show today. I appreciate it, Ron. Thank you. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband, <laughs> and I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. I think I'm kidding. I'm- what? Well, that's the 46th president of the United States coming down to talk to the press yesterday after six people were murdered in a targeted hate crime. Um, a trans person? Can we say that? I think that's applicable. Yeah. Murdered three children and three school staff at a private Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee yesterday before they were neutralized by law enforcement to where its pronouns became was were. You got to like the sense of urgency uh, law enforcement had going into that one, at least this time. Big time heroic moves inside that school. Not only were they taking fire down the hallway, but the school shooter, the trans terrorist was shooting out the window of the second floor of the building that they were in um, at police officers running into the building as well. So just another example of the uh, hypocrisy of the left. It seems like the, uh, you know, people who have regular families that are law abiding, who are lawful gun owners are the problems. But it seems whenever we have a mass shooting like this, especially I think five of the last big ones have been done by people that use pronouns in their names. Uh, we're, we're running into kind of a crisis regarding this situation. And, and it looks like, especially after Tennessee passed some very strict laws regarding the uh, trans movement and, and the things that aren't going to be going on in that state anymore just recently. And, and we had Kenny Cody on to talk about it on our last edition of the show. Pretty funny that he came on and then, you know, you have such a tragedy like that happens. A lot of other stuff going on in the news that you probably haven't heard about. Obviously, thoughts and prayers out to all the people and the families affected out in Mississippi. There was a huge tornado there over the weekend. I think close to 30 people lost their lives and an entire community lost their homes. That's a shitty way to go, too. I it's, mean, there's a lot of shitty ways to go. 
yeah. recently, but wow. It, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, we, we also saw yesterday, I don't know if you heard this one. No, it was, it was scooted right underneath the news cycle because everybody wants to complain about Donald Trump. One of Rand Paul's top congressional staffers was attacked outside of their offices yesterday, stabbed in the face, and put in the hospital in broad daylight. Huh. Yeah, pretty weird. Who was the person that did it? Well, they haven't announced their pronouns yet, and you can only imagine, since they haven't announced their pronouns yet, what kind yeah. of a person probably uh, perpetuated this crime. Yeah, they really don't like it when it doesn't follow the narrative for some reason. And I think the most underreported story of the week so far, in the past 24 hours, I don't know if anybody's heard about this, just across the canal in Juarez, Mexico, from mm. Texas, uh, migrants who are not of Mexican descent, who are being detained there. Wait, migrants that are not? Exactly. <laughs> found out that they were going to be deported by Mexico to their countries of origin. Really? Started a fire at the migrant detention center, burnt it to the ground. Unfortunately, there were 40 people inside that died as well. Haven't heard a drop in the news about Wait, it. Wait, so they burned themselves down? They burnt down the migrant detention center and 40 people couldn't get out. But were they the people that lit the fire? I wonder if they were part of the 40 people. Pro probably I, not. Those are the doctors, lawyers, and engineers that are going to go claim asylum on, in Texas over the course of the next two days. I'm pretty sure that they got away. Oof. But just a lot of stuff swirling around right now. And all of this comes on the heels of Donald Trump's first campaign rally of the 2024 presidential election cycle season. Uh, he held the rally in Waco, Texas at some remote airport. The media was hoping that it was not great and that turnout was going to be lackluster. Let me guess. It was awesome. Twenty-five to 30,000 people showed up. Weird. So, so weird. And uh, tr But anyways, Trump is finished. He's unelectable <laughs> and disenfranchised from the Republican base. Is he still going to prison? That too. Actually, we, we do have some news on that. We're going to get to that in just a bit. There's some news breaking across the wire today, but I want to save it for the segment that we're... Uh, Gonna gonna touch on that a little bit, but I we are, we're gonna focus on the rally to kick off the show today. As we just broke with Congressman Corey Mills, who gave an absolute heater of an interview there. You know, w we always have these guys in in Congress. They've got such a tight schedule. Corey's one of the ones as a congressman who has sent me multiple screenshots of his schedule, and it's all red. There, I, like he has times where there's not things filled out on his schedule, and that's set for like sleeping and driving to another appointment. Especially, hey, you should try putting sleeping on your schedule. Absolutely not. <laughs> Can't do that. Um, but, you know, and, and it's it's something that I, I get so many emails from all these uh, Congress people who come through our show, and they just talk about how busy it is. Like, you know, Mike Collins was supposed to be on today. He's actually pushed back to next week now, and that's because, first, he was asked to get tapped in to go view the prison with Marjorie Taylor Greene to see the January 6th detainees. Uh, and he obviously took the opportunity to do that. I bet that place is going to be brushed out and beautiful. Not 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 once uh, not once will it smell musky or roachy. Yeah, yeah, I can agree. And uh, you know, then he went down with Marjorie Taylor Greene to Georgia to talk about some weird stuff that's going on with well the ATF or you know kind of doing their thing and and peeking over the fence and ATFing. ATFing. So that's that's kind of where we're at. But, you know, these, these guys have such a busy schedule. And then we get Corey on a good day today. I just texted him this morning. I said, hey, I, it's all good. We understand how busy you were on floor votes and appropriations until the wee hours of the morning on Friday. How about a reschedule this week? He's like, can you do it today? And 
came into the studio and, and banged it out before the show today. So, you know, it's one of those things. And he gave us a great almost 20 minutes, so many different things that are going on in Congress that he's working on, committees that he's sitting in, and votes that he's helping get passed, like the Parental Rights Act, which I thought was a big win for House Republicans uh, up against all the crap that Joe Biden's got coming down the pike, especially when you talk about the uh, gun grabbing that he wants to do. So getting back to the rally, great attendance. Donald Trump looked great. I mean, obviously he's lost a little bit of weight lately and uh, was was looking pretty vibrant in his speech delivery. Uh, we always like to give a little lead into what's going on and, and, and some of the people, obviously all the, you know, America First Congress people that, that follow the president around and attend these events were there. And he announced his Texas uh, delegation of his campaign team for 2024. Awesome people on there. You know, I saw Beth Van Dyne. Uh, Wesley Clark, Ronnie Jackson, Troy Nels. Pretty funny. Uh, Dan Crenshaw and Chip Roy weren't on there. So, mm. yeah, they're going to probably be big mad. But uh, Matt Gates was there, and he spoke right before Donald Trump took the stage at the rally. Let's hear it. Only Donald Trump could have rescued us from Hillary Clinton. Without Trump doing three rallies in the final week in the 2018 election in Florida... My governor today would probably be Andrew Gillum. How weird is that? And without Trump dragging Ted Cruz across the finish line, your senator would probably be Beta Beto. So Ron DeSantis, Ted Cruz, patriots of the MAGA movement delivered for you in your time of need. Today, Ron DeSantis and Ted Cruz should endorse Donald Trump for president and stand with us as we were so proud to stand with them. What do you think, Noah? Sometimes all it takes is a little bit of loyalty. Mm -hmm. Ted Cruz is already... You know, said on multiple occasions that he's not running for president, and he's even not endorsed, but said Donald Trump is the guy, and that's the reason why he's not running. Um, Ron DeSantis, I, I don't think we're going to be getting an endorsement anytime soon from that. No, probably not. Mm. It's not the way it works anymore in uh, MAGA country. You know what works for me is when you're subscribed to the show. So, guys, if you're listening today, if you're on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Podcast, make sure you're hitting the subscribe button to the show. Rate it, hopefully five stars. Leave a review. We got a couple of reviews this week, both five stars. Noah's not going to like either one of them, and I'll read them a little bit later in the show. In Wait, addition, <laughs> really, you'll see where We're I'm doing going that with again. This. You'll no, it's good. You'll see where I'm going with this though. Also, social medias: Twitter, Getter, True Social, Instagram. Go find the shows, type in Steak for Breakfast Podcast. Make sure you are uh, got the notification bells on. Everything that we're putting on, on social medias then will be uh, delivered directly to your phone. So very important to be doing that. All it does is help out the show and, uh, you know, help out us getting the word out and, and getting the news to you guys. But, yeah, Matt Gates kind of calls them out. And I don't know, Noah, what do you think? Do you think uh, Ted Cruz is going to wind up getting in line, former Trump 2016 phone banker? Yeah. I mean, he went and did some rallies for him down in uh, Texas during the uh, midterms and helped him get reelected by a very slim margin against Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, that was that was a, <laughs> that was a, that was a nail biter. Certainly was, and and we don't want any more of that. So, but uh, Donald Trump came and and wanted to lay out a, a good portion of his 2024 uh, agenda, which he has been putting out in videos and has been putting out in some of his briefer, more brief interviews. But he he had the opportunity to do it here at the rally. Let's hear some of it. 
fight for parents' rights, including universal school choice and the direct election of school principals by the parents. If any principal is not getting the job done, the parents should be able to vote to fire and select someone else who will get the job done. We will defeat the cult of gender ideology to reassert that God created two genders, male and female. Thank you. They like that in Texas. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I will revoke every Biden policy promoting the disfigurement of our youth and ask Congress to send me a bill prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states. And we will keep men out of women's sports. I will not give one penny to any school that is a vaccine mandate or a mask mandate. That's big. Mm -hmm. Just as we did before, we will protect innocent life and defend free speech. I will support a constitutional amendment to put term limits on members of Congress. And I will move heaven and earth to fully secure our elections. Our goal will be one day voting with all paper ballots. Very simple. Nice. But until that day comes, Republicans must compete using every lawful means to win. We have to do it. This election is everything. We're not going to have a country left if we don't win this election. This agenda will end America's destruction at the hands of Biden and the radical left Democrats. But it's not enough just to stop the forces tearing down America. It's time to start talking about greatness for our country again. Our objective will be a quantum leap in American standards of living. We will hold a competition to build new freedom cities throughout our country, giving countless Americans a new shot at home ownership and a real shot at the American. I like the the freedom cities, not 15 minute cities. Yeah. And there are some people who are like, oh, it's a it's 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 his double speak for the 15. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's 100 percent. Not it's quite the opposite. Freedom cities. Now, it's in the fucking name. Stupid. <sighs> Really? People are going that route? Yeah. That's just a that's just a grab. That's a reach. There are, and they're just like, you know what? How can I make this look bad? Freedom cities. There's there's a lot of haters and losers out there. We all know this. And uh you know, I think I think part of his social driven platform that he's rolled out already are things that really, really draw in some of the parents, uh, maybe even the single moms that you didn't see turn out as much in the 2022 midterm election cycle when you're talking about, you know, going against the mutilation of children, when you're talking about uh, no men and women's sports, when you're talking about the stuff with the principals and school choice. I think that stuff's really important. And we, we have to be able to regulate some of the stuff that's going on in this country that got woke up a lot during COVID to see what was going on in their kids classrooms and uh yeah people actually having access to see what's actually going on like i mean it's like a double-edged sword it's like okay all the lockdowns and shit sucked and they were extremely detrimental to children's uh development development yeah but at the same time if it hadn't happened the damage to children's development would continue on the way that it had been going with very little pushback yeah so 
I mean, it's not good that we fucked an entire generation, but hopefully we can solve it for generations to come. Sure. I mean, my kids go to a charter school, and just over the course of the last month, their principal was removed because we had gone through uh, almost a full year now of schools being totally open since the end of the pandemic. And they still wanted to be closed? No, but the educational standards aren't being met. And, you know, they're putting disclaimers on every email, newsletter, and now report cards like just oh everybody needs to calm down like the test score they're not meeting their standards because of pandemic related pandemic related and i guess they had a board meeting right at christmas time and they told the principal like hey we don't want this like the charter tells you what needs to be done at the school if you're not getting it done you're gone and he kind of like blew them off and they went to like their next quarter meeting (laughs) seven to oh vote and they booted him he was like gone in one day we all thought it was like going to be some kind of sex scandal or something Nah, it's just him being a he, the parents had just gotten sick and tired of him. Oh, the teachers are great and our school is fun. Fuck that. Our kids are not doing well at all because of what you guys did to them during the pandemic and we need to get them back. Uh, I, I, and that's across the board yeah. though, with everything. It's, it's across the board in the education system, social, everywhere, social, everybody's using, oh, the pandemic as this excuse. It's like, you know what? As soon as they're finished scraping all the stand six feet apart things off the ground, the shit's fucking done. Yep, it certainly is. And uh, I, I think Donald Trump putting a lot more spotlight on specific items with the children that are really important to parents across the country is going to be something that continues to widen that tent of potential voters in 2024. One thing I know that's definitely hurting a lot of parents across the country is the disaster that is our current domestic economy right Oof. now. You know Joe Biden is uh, can only be blamed for that, and Donald Trump was hitting him on it. Let's hear it. Is Biden courting nuclear holocaust? He's blowing up the U.S. economy with the Biden banking crisis, a disaster of historic proportions. There's no reason for that either. There's no reason for inflation. You know who caused inflation? Energy. He restricted energy. He made it impossible to get. It went through the roof. Sid, it went through the roof. Energy went through the roof, and with it came inflation. As president, I will end the inflation nightmare and rebuild the greatest economy in the history of the world, just like we had it before. And I will reclaim our energy independence and energy dominance as we had just a few short years ago. Proud Texas energy workers will once again be pumping, producing and refining Texas oil and gas to turn America into the number one energy superpower on earth and we had it there we had it we were doing more than saudi arabia but we were number one i would have been bigger than both of them combined in a short period of time and then they did what they've done i will protect unlike the sanctus social security (laughs) and medicare for our great seniors defending them from both the radical left and the paul ryan republican establishment I will revoke China's most favored nation status. I will implement a four-year plan to phase out all Chinese imports of essential goods and gain total independence from China, which we don't have right now. And I will hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable for unleashing the China virus upon the world. So many people are dead. I will immediately sign a new executive order to cut federal funding for any school pushing critical race theory, transgender insanity, 
and other racial, sexual, or political content on our children. Big, big hitting on the economy and then parlaying that back to uh, take another jab at the stuff that's going on with the kids right now. Um, I think, you know, well, no, you have to be excited about him saying that they they are going to, in a four-year plan, become no longer reliant on essential goods that are manufactured in China. I think that's huge. Well, I think that's something that should be obvious and plain to everybody in the country. It's like if we got cut off or manufacturing stopped, like if, all these businesses that have all of their production done in China, like if we have a conflict with China, do you think they're still going to send you fucking blue jeans and tennis shoes? No, your fucking business is going to go under, which is going to just be a cataclysmic effect on our economy again because all these businesses are just going to be they're just going to shit the bed it's going to be done and when he talked about how not to mention not being able to even produce things in the country like what if we turned into an island well not like physically but just figuratively yeah like oh well now you're gonna have to start what trying to build factories to to do all this stuff while you've shipped all the equipment that makes the stuff overseas like we you don't just get that shit back these uh mechanized giant production machines that have been around since like the 40s and 50s like yeah you're gonna build some new ones okay good luck have fun it's gonna take you a while there won't be any warp speed for that pun intended Mm. um but no you're right and and in a combination well i mean the scenario you're essentially laying out there noah we become an island figuratively in a case of like world war three or another global conflict which is seeming more and more realistic to every day potentially happen but don't worry joe biden's coming down to talk about chocolate chocolate chip instead of kids that were murdered perfect i can't with that guy no, you can. We have to. Mm. Um, but and then you know he talked about the start of inflation and how it went from one ish percent up to like over seven percent in such a short amount of times because Joe Biden came in and killed a whole bunch of energy contracts and then re-regulated the entire energy industry to where we were producing more oil than Saudi Arabia on a daily basis and we are now like I think fifth or sixth maybe in global production and uh, you have all those countries who normally. Uh, would be allies to us in regards of getting our energy, our fuel, and our natural gas and stuff like that. Now, they're not so happy with us, especially Joe Biden. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes because there is a lot at stake when you get the spigots cut off, both figuratively and literally. Speaking of which... Uh, Donald Trump was talking about the weaponization of the Justice Department and how he's looking to turn that spigot off for good. Let's hear him. New weapon being used by out-of-control, unhinged Democrats to cheat on election is criminally investigating a candidate, bad publicity and all. You get bad publicity. It's the craziest thing. I got bad publicity and my poll numbers have gone through the roof. Would you explain (laughs) this to me? Explain that to me, Dan, Mr. Congressman. You got to explain it to me because nobody else has ever heard of it. But you know what? It gets so much publicity that the case actually gets adjudicated in the press. And people see it's bullshit and they go and they say, it's unfair. But it takes place by the Department of Injustice and their local henchmen at the AG and DA's offices throughout the country. You know, they use the local offices like in New York City, like in Atlanta, like in Chicago and Los Angeles. They make lives miserable, destroy their families and friends, even though they know these people are innocent. In many cases, they're patriots. 
They're not guilty of anything, and yet they have to go through hell. And if you're running for office, even Dan, but I don't think they'd ever go after him. But we have some great congressmen that probably they wouldn't go after because they're too clean. They're the cleanest people I've ever met. They come from Texas. They have to be clean. But let's say they're not that well known. They're doing a good job. And an investigation has started into one of these many great people. They're going to lose their race. They're going to lose their race. And they do it all the time. They're using investigations now instead of because it's harder for them to stuff the ballot boxes of which they stuff plenty. <laughs> Always going to stuff those ballot boxes. I, I think he, he makes an excellent point there. Uh, people that are not of the stature of Donald Trump who come under the you know spotlight in some of these really just fraudulent investigations. Uh, for instance, did you hear what happened with Matt Taibbi over this week? You know how he's been testifying about the Twitter files up on Capitol Hill? Yeah, oddly enough, not much in the media about that. No, but you want to know what else was underreported in the media as well? What? The IRS showed up at his house. Oh, weird. While he was supposed to be testifying up on Capitol Hill. to Weaponizing tell, the IRS now. Yeah, to tell I mean, him, not that they haven't already been. Right, that two of the last four years of his tax returns have not been uh, accepted, even though he gets a enormous tax returns because of all the work he does. Mm -hmm. And he had to use a pin in submitting them that he gets from the IRS. It's pretty weird. You know, you, you don't really think it's a big deal until they show up at your house. And then there's that intimidation factor. And uh, for someone that's like a, you know, state Congress level person or even a Senator or house representative, it's like you go through this race, you, you win the seat, you're representing your state or your district in Congress and then all of a sudden, like, DHS or the IRS or the ATF show up at your house and they start asking you questions that don't really seem relevant. But guess what? There's a news truck at the end of the driveway. And all of a sudden, in an election year, you have a lot harder path to uh, winning at the ballot box than you did when you were, you know, essentially just doing your job and not doing anything wrong. So it's by the intimidation factor alone that we, uh, you know, can really run into some major issues here. And uh, someone who's run into major issues recently, not our guest coming in a few minutes, New York Young Republican Club President Gavin Wax, who's a great friend of the show. He's going to talk about this rally and touch on the one that he got together with Raheem Kassam, Fish Burra, Mike Crispy, and a couple other of our great friends up in New York uh, last week. But uh, Ron DeSantis ha mm. has been running into a little bit of issues lately, and we're going to track that throughout the show. But Donald Trump finally... I love that Ron DeSantis. <laughs> you want to hear something funny? It's gotten so great. So they had Peter Navarro on Newsmax uh, prior to this rally because Newsmax was doing coverage. And they wanted to ask him about, oh, yeah, let's talk about some of Donald Trump. So Peter went into, like, you know, domestic foreign policies. Like, he's going to to touch on Ukraine. He'll probably talk about the border. He's like, and I really think this is a great opportunity for him to deliver a death blow to Ron DeSantis. And everybody else on the panel <laughs> went complete <laughs> ape shit. And then it got to the point where Peter Navarro called him Rob... Rob de Sanctimonious, and they cut him off. <laughs> I was listening to, to Peter Navarro's podcast in my car this morning, and I sent it to like five people. I was like, dude, fast forward to 11 minutes. He called him fucking Rob on Newsmax. <laughs> it was awesome. But uh, I, I, Well, the funniest part was when uh, DeSantis was, was talking about the nicknames. And he's just like, oh, you know, I just, I really don't, I don't even know how to spell de, de Sanctimonious. And I'm like, well, it, you spelled... D, sanctimonious. Like yeah. it's not that difficult, sir. 
How about D, you went to Yale, Harvard, and were a... Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can spell sanctimonious, for sure. Worked at the Department of Justice for for a number of years. And then you just look at the clues in your actual name, D-E, sanctimonious. I mean, that's kind of weak. Not meatball? Sanctimediest. There you go. (laughs) Let's hear Donald Trump talk about uh, the Florida governor. A man comes to me, tears in his eyes... He's at almost nothing in the polls, and he's fighting somebody that's at 42, and he's got almost $30 million in the bank. He's at almost nothing. He's got no cash. And I say, I can't give you an endorsement. There's no way you can win. You're dead. But he fought a little bit, like 150. He was certainly no Jim Jordan, that I can tell you. He fought a little bit, just a little bit, on impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, meaning on television, because I didn't know him very well. But I saw him, so he came and he really wanted. I said, you can't win, can you? How do you can win? Sir, if you endorse me, I'll win. Please. Please, <laughs> sir, endorse me. And I said, all right, let's give it a shot. Because honestly, the Secretary of Agriculture, Adam Putnam, good man, but I never met him. I didn't know him. So I don't feel guilty about it. You know, if you don't know somebody. I wish I knew him, actually. You want to know the truth? I wouldn't have done this. So what happened is... I said, let's give it a shot, Ron. And I endorsed him, and he became like a rocket ship. Within one day, the race was over. He got the nomination. Then he had to run against a man that was the hottest in all of politics. He was the hottest person. Remember, it was him and Stacey Abrams, the two hottest people in the Democrat Party. So we laugh at him now, but at the time, he was one of the hottest people in Politics, Matt, right? He comes from a state that Matt's very familiar with. Now, he turned out to be a crackhead. (laughs) But I did rallies for Ron that were massive rallies. And they were very successful. So we got him the nomination. We then got him the election. He said, I don't think I can make it. Because the other guy was really popular, believe it or not. He was going to be the next president of the United States. But that didn't work out too well. They caught him in a crack den. <laughs> Oops. Hey, when that of course, happens. anything goes in politics today. He can maybe make it. Maybe he's going to make a comeback. Who knows? But think how bad Florida would be. Remember one thing. Florida has been tremendously successful for many years, long before this guy became governor. So what do you think, Noah? Not really too hammering. I, I mean, I do like the tears in his eyes, and then he makes, like, the crying voice. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. And in, in the big scheme of things, I think, uh, you know, he does point out a lot of facts. And you can hear Donald Trump's argument goes down the path of, you know, how he's such a loyalty guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he essentially made this guy's gubernatorial career, regardless of the great things that Ron DeSantis has been able to accomplish afterwards. Yeah, it really sucks that they're, like, pitted at each other's throats as enemies now. I mean, they're not really at each other's throats, but it just sucks that they're not working together. Like, that that would be much more beneficial to the country than devaluing one another. And I keep hearing more and more people saying that, you know, there was, there was a plan where Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis would eventually run on the same ticket, and over the course of the last year, so many of the big billionaire mega donors didn't and, like it. Well, they said, "Listen, he's going to be so bogged down in legal. They're going to get him in New York. They're going to get him in Georgia. They're going to get him in D.C. He's going to be unelectable by the time we get to the. He's going to basically hand the White House back to Joe Biden, which Fake is news. complete fallacy. But Ron DeSantis apparently has bought it. And, yeah, he took the bait and is on the path towards that. So as we're getting ready to, you know, 
wrap with the Trump rally here. Obviously, we're going to uh, hear about making America great again. Let's check it out. We will liberate America from these villains and tyrants who are looking to destroy our country. No matter what they throw at us, no matter what they do to us, we will not bend, we will not break, we will not yield. We will never give in, we will never give up, we will never ever back down. We will complete the mission, we will cross the finish line, we will demolish tyranny and we will rescue freedom, liberty and justice and we will restore the American Republic to all of its greatness and glory greater than ever before. My fellow citizens, this incredible journey we are on together has only just begun. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one nation under God. With your help, your prayers, your vote, and your unwavering love for this country, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Texas. Thank you. God bless you all. Thank you. Well. I would give it like uh, as close to an eight as possible, maybe seven point nine five on the rallyo meter. Uh, first one of the season, kind of dusting off the cobwebs. There was a, a lot of things I liked. There was a couple things I didn't. Uh, I think one of the ones a lot of people ran around with uh, after this rally. So I don't really like going into like much of what the garbage influencers have to say. More of like you know the super laffy taffy mainstream ones. I don't know how this, I don't know what you call it, thing, account, is even, we've talked about it before, the cat turd. Mm. So Donald Trump referenced, like, cat turd did a poll on his Twitter account that, you know, over the course of however long it was done, Donald Trump got 69% of the vote to Ron DeSantis, uh, which would give him his largest margin of any poll that's been recorded so far. And for as much as that good to hear because it's it's organic you're just kind of putting it out there to your twitter account for followers to click on uh it's not very scientific i'd much rather take you know harvard or an emerson poll rasmussen of course mm-hmm. uh and, and run with those numbers so taking a whole segment during the rally to highlight that uh really doesn't do anything for me but the policy driven stuff great I'd like to see, like, some of the targeted ammunition towards Ron DeSantis broaden. You know, you got Vivek and Haley already announced as candidates as well. Let's start bringing them into uh, a little bit of the mortar fire as well and, you know, kind of take it from there. But uh, not bad for the first start of, of, you know, the rally season for Donald Trump and the whole team. I thought it was a great turnout, solid message. You know, to be this close to an eight this early 
in the season, I think is fantastic. And uh, we're going to obviously keep tracking with that as we're getting ready to jump in with Gavin Wax right now. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. You know how you've gotten that chewy, hard, disappointing jerky from the gas station? you got to try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bill's. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air-dried instead of dehydrated, like that other junk. Ingredient conscious, there's no sugar, no soy, or other additives, just beef, salt, and spices. Working on those gains, it's protein on the go with a very respectable 32 grams of protein per 2 ounces. That's twice the amount of that other jerky. So if you'd like to support small business and you like your food source in the USA, order some Farmer Bills with the code STEAK for an extra 5 bucks off. Buy a 12-pack, you can get free shipping. The only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an American-made company that shares your values. Get yourself some Farmer Bills traditionally air-dried beef jerky today. All right, joining us next on the show, he's the 76th president of the New York Young Republicans Club. He also does a little contributing down at the Babylon Bee Town Hall, and you've seen him on Newsmax. Joining us again, Mr. Gavin Wax. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you guys for having me back. It's always great to be on. Always a pleasure to host you, sir. How's everything going with you? I saw last week uh, you guys held a little rally down there in New York City outside the Manhattan DA's office in regards to showing support for President Trump in the uh, looming case of possible indictments coming down. You want to tell our listenership a little bit about that event? Absolutely. Uh, the New York and Republican Club was happy to answer the call of uh, President Trump when he called on his supporters to peacefully assemble and protest in opposition to this politicized uh, prosecution and persecution of the former president, of the presumptive nominee, of the leader of the opposition. This is unprecedented territory. Uh, so the club was happy uh, to follow through on that. We were able to get about 100 uh, pro-Trump supporters into lower Manhattan outside the courthouse in about 24 hours. Uh, we vetted each person individually. We kept the location uh, top secret. And uh, we were able to host this uh, peacefully. And I think we showed a lot of people online and elsewhere that conservatives, even in deep blue Manhattan, can still uh, peacefully assemble and demonstrate uh, for our rights and against uh, injustices being perpetuated by the so-called justice system, in this case by uh, the district attorney, Alvin Bragg. Uh, so it was a good event. Uh, we got a lot of press. Uh, they were hoping for something. They were hoping for January 6th. They were hoping to come after us. And all they could do is talk about crowd size, of course. But we were very happy with the results. And um, we're hoping uh, to see how this story unfolds or continue hoping to hoping to see some good results um, or some good news, rather, uh, as the story unfolds. We're not sure where uh, things are going to go with the with the grand jury. Obviously, Trump has been playing some 4D chess coming out ahead of it. Maybe he squashes it. Maybe he doesn't. But uh, we need to be vigilant on this issue for sure. Yeah, but I think the most important takeaway from all of that is why is it important to be able to do things like that, assemble and, and you know, have a great display of your First Amendment rights? There were some of the great friends of the Steak for Breakfast podcast out there with you. I saw Vish Burra, Mike Crispy, Paul Inglesias, Raheem Kassam, of course, and many more. But why is it so important to be able to do that, to be able to do a peaceful show of force that lets, you know, the opposition know what is going on is number one, not okay, and number two, probably not legal, but most importantly, that your voices need to be heard and uh, you speak for a larger portion of the majority than just the people that showed up with you in New York City last week. Yeah, I think it's important uh, to counter the left's frame, the left's narrative that the right uh, can't peacefully assemble, can't peacefully protest. This was a morale-boosting exercise for many conservatives across the country uh, who are too, who have been scared uh, to come out for fear of, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of trap uh, placed by the feds or otherwise. And I think 
if we ever get to a point as a country where we have to, you know, second guess uh, exercising our First Amendment rights, such as peacefully assembly, uh, peacefully assembling and protesting, uh, we've really lost our country. So uh, being able to show uh, the rest of the country that we were able to do this uh, in New York City, uh, it, it leaves them with no excuse not to do it in a deep red state or even in a purple state. Uh, and I think this was important. Uh, not just to obviously demonstrate against what Alvin Bragg was doing, but to show uh, that we can still come out, we can still exercise our First Amendment rights, even under uh, these dire circumstances and, and, and everything that's going on in this country. So it was important from a counter-narrative formation, and I'm glad we were able to do it, and we did it, uh, we, we did it without a hitch. No, you certainly did, and uh, I do want to stay in the thread of rallies and segue just a little bit. There was a big one in Waco, Texas over the weekend. I'm sure you at least caught parts of it if you didn't see the it, in its entirety, but uh, Donald Trump held his first official rally of the 2024 campaign season. What's your biggest takeaways from it, and uh, how does the 45th president of the United States look heading into rally season? He looks fantastic. He looks like he's in the best shape he's been in years. He was energetic. His policy uh, points were on the money. Uh, and it, it felt uh, like the Trump we all know and love. It had a lot of 2015, 2016 energy to it. The crowd was massive, uh, and, and it just goes to show no one can replicate in the Republican Party what Trump uh, can do. No one is going to replicate those crowd sizes. No one is going to replicate that energy, that charisma, that persona, uh, and, and he's the only one that brings that to the table. And uh, it just goes to show that he's going to dominate this primary. He's going to win this primary. Uh, the rally in Waco only solidified that notion further for myself and many others who have been watching this closely. And uh, I think everyone needs to rally around Trump so he can get down to business in terms of defeating Biden. And we could avoid uh, a bloody primary, though I think it'll be entertaining to watch and, and, and see once again the debate stages and all that. But uh, it just goes to show Trump still has it. And uh, he is the leader of the Republican Party. Uh, and there's no one uh, that can even come close to holding that, uh, you know, taking that mantle from him. Do you think it adds to the argument that he is there, he is back in 2015 form already, when you see some of the meltdowns that happened both before and after the event? I was watching Newsmax, some of their pregame coverage there, and it's, I saw a Dr. Peter Navarro interview kind of go sideways when he highlighted the fact that Donald Trump was probably going to take some shots at Ron DeSantis. And then you've had just in the last 24 hours, both Laura Ingram meltdown last night on her own show. And Jason, Jason Chaffetz been on Fox uh, and friends this morning, melting down, uh, you know, talking crap about Donald Trump. I thought I was literally watching reels of, of 2015, uh, you know, mainstream media uh, talk shows there because it's all the talking points that they're bringing up from the uh, primary when he first ran for president. Yeah, no, we're seeing all of Con Inc. and then the conservative media apparatus uh, go into a full meltdown because they have been building DeSantis up to be this, uh, you know, this successor to Trump, to be Trump's replacement, uh, to be the Trump without Trump. Uh, or, or to embrace Trumpism without Trump, and uh, it's falling on its face. And, and DeSantis has had a collapse uh, the last two weeks uh, since his botched uh, response to the potential indictment. And now, uh, you know, he tried to double down. He tried to go on the offensive against Trump, and he's never going to win uh, in a one-on-one -on -one boxing match with Trump, uh, going head-on. And, and he's suffering because of it. And all his supporters and all the people that have been building him up, uh, they're they're exposing themselves. And he's looking more and more like a paper tiger. 
uh, compared to Trump in this primary field. And uh, it's sad because I do think he had potential in 2028. I think he had a, a, a future nationally, uh, but he is now uh, showing his, his, his true self. Uh, he has a lot of establishment undertones, a lot of neoconservative undertones. And I think his, uh, his move to try to stab Trump in the back, despite Trump basically saving his gubernatorial race, both in the primary and in the general in 2018, uh, it just goes to show that he has no loyalty and he is being uh, controlled and puppeted uh, by the same establishment rhino hacks that have been destroying the party. And, uh, you know, now he's suffering as a result of that. And you're seeing his commentators, you're seeing his pundits, you're seeing his influencer army, both real and in the form of bots, basically meltdown online. And they yep. can't really get their messaging straight. They're flailing around. They're attacking Trump supporters. They're attacking Trump himself. And it's only causing him to bleed more in the polls. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to this primary because I think tr it's going to be, you know, beneficial for Trump to an extent to keep his, uh, you know, to keep his feet wet and to, uh, you know, stay on 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 top of his form, on top of his game. But uh, DeSantis is looking like he's not the man. He's going to collapse even further in the polls, and it's going to open up uh, the field to more people to enter. And I think more people, the better. The more people that enter this race, uh, it's only going to be to Trump's uh, political and electoral benefit. These are be the primary, so we'll have to see how this uh, unfolds in the coming weeks and months. No, I agree with you because you know when you look at the potential primary field and how robust it could possibly get in just a few months from now. I don't really think Donald Trump needs to sharpen his swords too much to go and up on the debate stage with Joe Biden during the general election season. But when you're talking about primary season, it's the perfect opportunity for him, especially with a lot of former administration officials that are considering running right now, like Pence and Pompeo, etc. Who really got the job done for America first? When they want to tell Donald Trump they didn't like the way he did things when he was president, Donald Trump's going to be able to highlight the fact that they weren't getting things done behind the scenes. It's been widely reported. We've confirmed it from other admin officials on the show. You know, stuff both in the vice president's office and the State Department throughout the course of the Trump presidency. Although there were a lot of wins, uh, we could have done a whole lot more in that short period of time he had during his first turn. Gavin, last thing I wanted to touch with you on, I think it's uh, awesome that you guys are already hyping it up. Christmas is right around the corner, and in December, you guys are going to be having your gala again, which is one of the biggest events in conservative anything. And uh, now that I've started to see the teasers coming across social media, I've got to ask you, what can you tell our listenership that you've got planned coming this year? Well, uh, it's a uh, we have a lot of big plans uh, for the 111th annual gala this Oof. year in Manhattan. I think it is the premier conservative MAGA populist dinner gala event uh, of the year. I, I don't know of anyone else that, that hosts an avail, uh, an event of uh, such scale and quality. Uh, so we're happy to be, uh, you know, leading this, uh, this type of programming uh, for the right. Uh, but this year we've, we've gone bigger and better than ever. We're going to be announcing our venue very soon and we're going to be opening it up to tickets, but we have uh, secured uh, possibly the best venue we can in the city in terms of, uh, in terms of quality and size. And uh, we are preparing a massive lineup of real America first speakers. And we're really going to bring the house down this year. This will be the uh, last gala before uh, the primary and before the election, because our next gala would be in December of 2024. So I think it's going to be super important uh, to set the stage uh, for what's to come uh, going into 24, going into the primary, going into the general election. So we're going to aim big 
uh, in terms of the speakers, and uh, I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed. So I encourage everyone to stay tuned for more updates uh, as we release the venue and uh, open up for uh, ticket ticket sales. I can only imagine how big it's going to be. You guys had quite a show last year, as in the couple years before that. And uh, just based off of what you're saying, it's really exciting news. It is the premier event of gala season, and heading into such a critical presidential election in 2024, this is really what's going to get you know the end of this year kicked off and, and heading into the general election year uh, better off than you could possibly imagine. Gavin, in addition to linking the uh, the club today, we're going to throw your socials out there. So for everyone that's listening in and, and wants to give you a follow, where can we find you at? Well, thank you, guys. You uh, can follow me at Gavin Wax, G-A-V-I-N-W-A-X. That's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You know, you, you name it, and you can follow the club at NYYRC, uh, NYYRC.com, oldest and largest in the country. And uh, we'll have a lot of great stuff for you all uh, to consume uh, very soon. You've got a lot of great stuff to consume on your Twitter, to say the least. This guy's out here serving on the front lines of uh, the America First battle. It's the 76th president of the New York Young Republicans Club. Gavin Wax, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Um, what do you make of that? Uh, listen, he's the greatest governor in America. He's not great as far as campaign skills. He may get there, but he doesn't have them yet. Uh, and I, Who's running his campaign? The Bushes are all tangled Bushes. up with him. Uh, Bush, that can raise him a billion dollars, get him all kinds of money. The Jeb Bush, Bush. Jeb Bush. George Bush. Yeah, they're great. Carl Rove involved. Carl Rove, will be the, Carl Rove is involved. I assume he'll be the coach on the field. I think he is. But do you know that he's been advising DeSantis? He's been Carl advising Rove. him. That's why DeSantis has been getting a little better and better every mm -hmm. week. But uh, Carl's a pretty smart fellow. They're all very smart. You saw what they did for Jeb Bush. <laughs> <laughs> it works in normal times. I don't think they're uh, ready for Donald Trump. Okay, well, yikes! That was former Trump administration official Larry Cujo uh, trying to find people to come on his show to continue to delegitimize the campaign of Donald Trump. But it seems like everybody that he brings on, uh, unfortunately, wants to live in reality and not have to deal with, um, you know, what a lot of people are trying to manufacture in astroturf. Is that yeah? It's funny when somebody's like inherent biases fall into play and it's like okay well this is well, this is the this is the answer i want but you didn't give it to me so now i'm gonna like kind of backpedal and try to change the subject yeah this comes today where there's a you know there's a political article out right uh, it just came out today and they're always trying to pin this stupid ass shit on donald trump trump hires former jeb hand to lead his campaign in the granite state and then you read like jeb hand yeah jeb hand that sounds like something that happens at a truck stop bathroom Ugh. please clap <laughs> So, he, he, but here's the reality of it. Second paragraph. The person's name was a field coordinator for Bush in 2016, but went on to serve as the New Hampshire field director and then the national field director for Senator Ted Cruz's presidential campaign. So he started out as a, a staffer, a state staffer for, for Jeb Bush, and then when he realized that Please Clap wasn't going anywhere, yeah. he jumped onto the national campaign of Ted Cruz, who became the, you know, strongest candidate that was running up against Donald Trump. And we also know that a lot of, you know, what is it? The Cruz crew came over to the Trump team after the 2016 election to help with the transition. So he also recently worked on a failed Republican house seat in Pennsylvania for Jeremy Schaffer. So, you know, and, and he's done some consulting nationally at Axiom Strategies, which is one of the biggest Republican consulting firms, obviously complete and total waste of money, but the fact of the matter is he, he wasn't a career Jeb Bush hire mm. loyalist. You know, he, he was 
in and out with Jeb Bush before you could even blink, much like his campaign was in 2016. I saw Rick Grinnell tweeted today, I worked closely with Donald Trump over the course of his presidency and saw the decision-making process up close. The world respected President Trump's focus on peace through strength and his many successes that prove America needs him back. So we're going to hit a little bit on Ron DeSantis, a little bit on Alvin Bragg. We've got some breaking news that's just coming over the wire today while we're recording. We're going to touch on Boomer Sweat's Hannity, his uh, Boomer Sweat exclusive with Donald Trump last night. A sweat exclusive? Sweat exclusive. <laughs> and the meltdowns that proceeded immediately following the show. So we're, we're talking about this possible indictment, right? And, and, you know, what the legal viability and potential ramifications um, could be to the Trump campaign. It looks like so far they've been able to weather the storm and Donald Trump's poll numbers have, uh, you know, risen in the face of it. But it's just coming across the wire right now that the office of Alvin Bragg, the Soros-funded district attorney at, at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, said there, even though the grand jury is reconvened this week, there will be no indictment. Ha! Again. So I saw Jonathan Turley was uh, talking on Fox News Sunday yesterday about this and how weak of a case it is. Let's hear him. Well, it's really telling, isn't it? Because grand juries don't normally rake prosecutors over the coals in, in order to get an indictment. You have them at hello when you walk in as a prosecutor. So if he's having trouble, it's indicative of how weak this case is. The most damaging aspect of Costello may not simply be as a former counsel to Cohen, he says that he's lying. It's that he said he brought 300 emails with him and said these contradict what Cohen says. The jury might not have seen those emails. And the most damaging thing you can do in a grand jury is if the grand jury believes that they're only seeing part of this picture. But the dissent within the office, I think, is also equally important. It is a weak case. And you see Trey Gowdy sitting on this panel uh, getting ready to jump in and completely refute what Jonathan Turley is saying. But he's right. This is a weak case. And, and out of all the potential ones that could be brought before Donald Trump, you know, obviously there was the perfect phone call election interference one that's still uh, up in the air down in Georgia. And then whatever recommendations the Justice Department is going to make in regards to the January 6th committee, the the non-select committee on uh what they thought President Trump's role was on that day and what possibly could he be charged with if none of these other ones kind of gain traction, which the one in New York really isn't. So I did tease the sweat exclusive, and Donald Trump sat down at Mar-a-Lago, uh, pre-recorded, selectively edited interview with Sean Hannity. I personally don't know if this is the best move. So, Noah, tell me what you think. Donald Trump needs to get back into the legacy media. He did a sit-down with Rob Schmidt on Friday night on Newsmax. Mm -hmm. He recorded this one with Sean Hannity at some point over the weekend. It was aired yesterday. But these people have treated him so awfully, especially lately on places like Fox News, where it's been almost a 24-7, you know, Ron DeSantis show, and haven't really given any credibility or legitimacy to Donald Trump's campaign. The fact that he's the leader of the Republican party and most likely going to be the nominee in this, you know, primary season. But do you think it's a smart move, something he needs to do, or is he just going to kind of have to do what he always does bowl in a China shop and roll with the punches? I mean, he's definitely just going to have to do what he's always had to do because he always has to do the same thing. Just go with what you have and pull no punches. 
Yeah. I mean, he might tone it down a little bit, which I think maybe he's probably being advised to not be quite so over the top this time, just because it'll turn off some of the potential voting base. But sure. That's the only thing I can think of. Well, he did. Um, he did talk about instead of talking about the 2020 presidential election and the rigged and stolen stuff, he said that the new election interference are these sham investigations and hanging indictments over them. Mm -hmm. He said what, what these radical district attorneys are doing are essentially uh, making him into be damaged goods and disenfranchising voters who might've been on the Trump train, but it's like, you want to know what? It seems like I can't get, through a day without some kind of like major disaster coming down the pike regarding this guy, even, and, and again, playing lawfare is weird. It's like someone can make an out that Trump is finished. The walls are closing in mugshot perp walk. And, and someone who's, you know, kind of a boomer or just a establishment conservative type voter might not really be too keen to hitch their wagon to that right now even though the allegations are false and, and the criminality in the case may not even be real. Well, there's a lot of just un, not uneducated, but uh, uninformed voters that are, that are out there and they're just taking, they're being spoon fed by the media, everything that they're supposed to be spoon fed. Yeah. We had Joe Dushborough last week joking about how many times he said the walls are closing in on his show because they've made up so many lies about this guy He's like, I know it sounds cliche, and we've said it a whole bunch of times, but it seems like finally the walls, the walls are closing. Are... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just an embarrassment. Donald Trump elaborated on this with Boomer Sweats. Let's hear that portion of the interview. As reported, as you know, you're facing a lot of legal challenges. In your opinion, does this help you or hurt you in terms of your chances to win in 2024? Well, if you listen to the fake news media, it helps uh, because they're all saying it's a scam. Even, so even said, people that don't like me are saying this is a terrible thing to do for a country. Uh, I don't know whether it helps or hurts. I can tell you, in my opinion, it's a new way of cheating on elections. It's called election interference. What they're doing is if they can't win at the ballot box because I'm leading everybody by a lot in the polls for every Republican, frankly, and every Democrat by a lot, including Biden, by a lot. <laughs> and uh, they can't beat you that way. They're going to do this kind of stuff. And they're just going to play lawfare. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely think he has a legitimate point there. I hope he countersuits all of these, you know, awful cases that he's uh, being held over his head right now. And, and I think that uh, moving forward, I, I, I hope it helps him out. It seems like to this point it's working in his favor. Um, you know, we're going to be talking with, Congressional candidate up in Washington three, Joe Kent, great friend of the show. We haven't talked to him, I, I don't think, since January, but he's reannounced his reelection bid there. He's already endorsed President Trump. He's going to be touching on a lot of uh, things related to how his campaigns rolled out, but he'll he'll touch on some geopolitical issues with us as well, especially the war in Ukraine. Uh, Hannity asked Donald Trump about when it needs to stop and how exactly he would do that during this interview too. Let's hear it. Of Putin, a waiver on the Nord Stream too. Okay, so Putin said, because everyone said, oh, I'm so nice to Putin. Putin said, if you're my friend, I'd hate to see you as an enemy. He told me that. I got along very well with Putin. By the way, I'd be able to work that out. It would have never happened in a million years. And even the Democrats admit that. But if this thing isn't solved by the time we have the election, which is possible, it won't be. 
And it's also possible we'll be in World War III with these idiots that are doing what they're doing. Mm. You could end up in a nuclear world war, which will make World War I and World War II look like patty cakes, okay? <laughs> uh, this unbelievable, because we have people that don't know what they're doing. But if it's not solved, I will have it solved in 24 hours with Zelensky and with Putin. And there's a very easy negotiation to take place, but I don't want to tell you what it is because then I can't use that negotiation. It'll never work. But there's a very easy negotiation to take place. I will have it solved within one day, a peace between them. Now, that's a year and a half. That's a long time. I can't imagine something not happening. Uh, the, the key the... with that is the war has to stop now because Ukraine is being obliterated. You know, whether... There'll be nothing people... left. Well, I looked at pictures of cities that are literally like, a, it's like complete de demolition. I was in the construction business. You would demolish a building and you'd, it looked like hundreds of these demolition sites. The there wasn't a building standing. And these are cities for Ukraine. They were big cities, very big cities. Now he hasn't really, in Kiev, he hasn't really set the missiles in, but at some point he'll do that one too. There's nothing standing. The other thing is many more people are dead and horribly injured than they're reporting. You know, when you see missiles hitting 15 buildings and 15 buildings falling to the ground and they're big buildings, there are a lot of people in those buildings, and then they say one person was injured. These are phony reports. Many, many people are being killed that you don't know, but you'll see that later so, on. So you'd prefer, if you were president, you think you, could, you would have a negotiated settlement. And Within 24 hours. And we wouldn't no longer be po ponying up all the money that, by the way, Western, Western Europe is not doing their fair share. What's unfair, and you and I have had this conversation, is that we are spending, we're up to almost $150 billion, and Europe's at $24 billion. Now, it's the same thing with NATO. Don't forget, I got the, them to put up hundreds. And he would go on to touch on how he was able to make NATO, at least for a couple of years, pay their fair share. I do believe we're closer to quarter of a trillion dollars in total spending, uh, almost 52 border walls worth of cash funding and aid over to Ukraine as well since the start of the conflict. But, no, do you believe him when he says he can end it in a day? Yes. Really? I, I mean, maybe not a day, but it, it, it might be too far gone for him to actually be able to nail it down in a day. I mean, because we've let it just run wildly out of control. Sure. But, I mean, I would see a peaceful resolution within a month. Yeah, I, I can definitely get on board with that. And, you know, when you see the Ukrainians continuing to lose ground, I think the most recent city to fall was Bakhmut, which they've been making a stand there for a greater portion of the last three or four months. But you see uh, the tip of the spear of the Russian forces, the, the Warger group and, and all those guys, you know, demolishing and, and doing essentially Fortnite dances in front of the biggest landmarks at the city center. Yeah. It's kind of hard to say that the Ukrainians are, number one, winning the war, number two, even holding ground there. So. And, and to expound on my answer, it would require basically us militarily sanctioning Ukraine. Yes. Like, guess what? We're not going to send you any more shit unless you fucking talk to this guy. It's like a, it's like a, <laughs> it's like making your, uh, your siblings like sit together and like, all right, you're going to have dinner together. Yeah. We'll talk this out. Got to work it out. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're talking about a, a conflict that's been going on for a thousand years, maybe longer Yeah, over, you know, historical backyards and it's, it's just another phase in the story. 
I think that uh, well, and you have to, you can't ignore that. Not that we're not that we're backing Russia, f- for instance, but NATO has been encroaching on their territory. Yep, and it's the same thing as when Russia was putting uh, nukes and trying to put nukes in Cuba. Same thing, the exact same thing. And and there was there was legislation and doctrines crafted to make sure that that never happens again. That none of our geopolitical middleman countries are able to house nuclear weapons in the Western Hemisphere, period. So, you know, it's one of those things where, I don't know, I, I just think this thing is kind of, it's reached a lull right now. I think because Ukraine's taken some lumps, they don't want to kind of keep it prevalent in the media. But uh, it's definitely going to probably heat up again as the spring months kind of roll in over there in that portion of Europe. The bank bailouts is something that, you know, Donald Trump knows a lot about. He he did not really advocate for any of that during the course of his presidency and was harsh on people like Barack Obama and Joe Biden who did it throughout the course of theirs. Are Trump- we really calling these banks still? They're, they're venture capitalists at this point. There you go. <laughs> I think some of those videos that are out there are just hilarious. And it's like, how did we get to this point? We'll show you. Yeah. And, and man, they just absolutely blow your mind. Hannity asked him about that and what we could do to kind of get into a better situation with all this. Let's check it out and see what the 45th president had to say about it. I mean, I can't even say strongly enough, is in complete shambles. We have 60% of our country now living paycheck to paycheck. CBS News now says 25% of people in our great country are what they call food insecure. Food that can't get bare necessities. Recession, record. Inflation, record. Our debt, our deficits. You know, why has this happened? How would you fix it? And would you have supported the bailout of Silicon Valley Bank? Okay. Ready? Yeah. I had a lot of questions you're asking me. I am. I wouldn't have supported the bailout. Uh, the bank would have to get along by itself, and maybe they could have. What happened with the bank is interest rates went too high. And, you know, I had my own situation with Powell, and I beat the hell out of him. I was not a big fan of Powell. I was rec- He was recommended by some people. I didn't like him. Uh, he's uh, too interest rate happy. What you do is... You get the oil prices down. That's bigger than interest rates. The only thing. And what happened is we took an oil and now we take an interest rates. Those banks failed because the interest rates were too high. They stupidly bought long-term treasuries. Ten-year treasuries. Yep. Well, they bought long-term, longer than that even. Mm. And they bought long-term and those treasuries got crushed because Powell keeps raising interest rates. But that's up to Biden. He's going to have to worry about that himself. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he's going to have to kind of... Uh get himself out of this or face another massive uh, stock market crash, which would lead to the housing market crash, which is already starting to show cracks. Uh, There's a lot of evidence that supports that. And, you know, I'm seeing all of these people who I really trust when it has to do with things like the economy. I mean, we have Jim Nels on here all the time. I see Steve Cortez puts out a lot of good data-driven stuff. And then when you want just commentary on it, there's always Dr. Peter Navarro who's starting to make the rounds again. He'll be making the rounds here in in probably no time on Steak for Breakfast. But they all said this is going to make 2008 look like preschool. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine how scary that was because I can remember how expensive everything was and how all my neighbors were losing their houses and jobs and how it went from like everything looking like it was up at the times, you know, cars were relevant in in years wise compared to like when it was and, and the people that owned them to 
man, you go through 2008, by the time you get to 2010, everybody's got beat up old used cars and like all the houses that people used to take care of. They don't have gardeners anymore. The outsides of the houses are starting to look crappy. And then you just talk about everybody's 401ks, retirements and investments that just went poof when the stock market crashed back in 2008. It's uh, extremely scary to see where we're at at this uh, point in time in regards to our domestic economy and how people like Jay Powell and, uh, you know, the Biden regime have just kind of ignored it. Hey, raise the rates. I mean, we've got the budget battle uh, coming down the pike here, and we have the debt ceiling battle coming down the pike here in the next couple of months. It's going to make for some big-time fireworks up on uh, Capitol Hill, I could tell you that. So the meltdowns proceeded immediately following the Donald Trump interview. Uh, I, I picked two very poignant ones that I think we we need to show just what Donald Trump walks into when he goes and does an interview on a place like Fox News. I saw Kilme, who's Team DeSantis, on Fox and Friends this morning. He had on a panel, which included Miranda Devine and, of course, Jason Chaffetz, who had nothing but bad things to say about Donald Trump and the rally that he held in Waco, Texas this weekend. Let's hear it. Uh, Jason, you said overall you thought President Trump did a very poor job in the interview. Why? Um, I thought Sean Hannity did a good job, um, but I watched that and I thought, where is Donald Trump? I, I, I voted for Donald Trump twice. I have defended him countless times. I thought he was horrific. I think that was the worst interview I've seen the president do. He was oh. whining. He was complaining. Oh. Um, he played the victim card oh. time and time Scissor again. Um, and then after that, he complained that you know somebody had endorsed was now running against him. <laughs> and I, I, I thought he was absolutely horrific. He's the former president of the United States. Act like it. He didn't in that interview. Dave. Now, Noah, as much as I see you looking across at me from, from over the computer screen, that is not a clip from 2015. Jeez. And, uh, yeah, that was this morning. And that was not the worst of it. We saw last night uh, the Botox queen, Laura Ingram, who they rolled out immediately following Sean Hannity to run Let's Take a Projectile Diarrhea on Donald Trump's interview. Mm -hmm. uh, brought on Miranda Devine, who's also been extremely critical of Donald Trump, even though Donald Trump's always been a big fan of hers. And, uh, you know, she was critical in talking about a lot of the things that were repressed, especially the Hunter Biden laptop story in 2020, uh, as she was one of the authors of that whole narrative. Luckily, they brought on Stephen Miller, who in all of his baldness and almost Dr. Evil-like way he talks, <laughs> was able to uh, kind of right the ship a little bit. But let's hear this epic meltdown and then Miller come in and, and, and save it. And I hope that at some point uh, Donald Trump does flip to the future instead of dwelling on the past because he looks like someone who is full of grievance and anger, not like someone like he was in 2016 and like we knew him as president, really a sunny person who focuses on serious issues um, and does them with panache, not someone who's God. constantly dwelling on grievance. And I think that also comes into the Ron DeSantis attacks. Uh, we saw at his rally at Waco that the audience really didn't respond to that story he tells about Ron DeSantis' like supposed lack like of loyalty. It. I don't. They don't like it. I don't think it works. They, Laura, you know, Republicans Laura, know Laura, that we need the here. best. Go ahead. The, the Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Even policy plan every every week. Yeah. 
Laura, the president's put forward a new policy plan every week. He's released the Quantum Leap Plan to build freedom city cities and revolutionize the American way of life Why and American he transportation. He's launched a plan to end child mutilation. It was two-thirds of his speech in Waco. It was three-quarters of his speech at CPAC. He did right, a full hour on policy in both of those addresses. He's eating a four-year yeah. plan to phase out imports on China. He's detailed the plan to take out the deep state. He's detailed the plan to end the war in Ukraine. He's detailed the plan to completely so he, so, reshape so nothing, our nothing approach can be tweaked. to the no, Stephen, nothing, Stephen, nothing can be tweaked. Nothing. I have not in my lifetime seen a candidate who's put out more new policy in so short a period of time. Then talk about it. Talk about it every time videos. you get. Do you believe every this was really on Fox week. News? No. Okay, so, Stephen. I was if at you, the CPAC if, speech. It was an hour straight I'm in the I'm not talking about the CPAC speech. I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking it about was, tonight. This is a huge opportunity to talk to Sean the American people. Sean asked him about the biggest news story in the country, which is which is people trying to prosecute him because he is the leading candidate. There's no cheery way to be prosecuted by Alvin Bragg. There's no cheery way to have the special counsel come after you. Didn't he say isn't it was a cheery way. And he should be. But he says we'll over and over them. again, they're coming yeah. after him because they're trying to come after us. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really... I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot longer than that, and they would go back and forth and all start you know, continue to bicker, but I just can't believe you're one of the largest news outlets, air quoting news mm. in the entire world. And what happens is you host the 45th president of the United States as he's running to recapture the white house and your plan to, to lay out the rest of your evening news is to bring on every single person you can imagine that in the nicest way possible could posterize Donald Trump's interview with Sean Hannity. And I just think that's completely embarrassing, but kind of where we're at right now. And Stephen Miller makes a great point. You did have cheery Donald Trump taking the White House and getting to work in 2016, but guess what? He's been absolutely railroaded by every facet of the administrative state, by our corrupt and, and completely upside-down legal system. And they've made this guy's life miserable. He doesn't get to really write books that are published by real big outlets. He doesn't get to go own a slice of, of Netflix and was welcomed with open arms in, in Martha's Vineyard. Like all these other scumbags who go and just cater to the lobby group and essentially cater to the establishment and to Wall Street and to big tech and to big pharma. Donald Trump is, is is so much different in every other way than all of these losers that I don't even know how people could even want anyone, especially somebody like Ron DeSantis, who, who's just an obscure political whatever in the big scheme of things. I mean, the guy was a serviceman. He was a lawyer. He had a mediocre congressional career, and, and he almost didn't make it in, in, in far as, as governorships goes. Mm -hmm. And where he's at now is he's trying to bet the house on a little bit of lightning that he's been able to capture in a bottle. But we've pointed it out almost every week on this show. When you look at some of his biggest so-called wins, where woke goes to die, it's more like where woke goes to court. And we haven't had the verdict come out on the Disney debate, on banning trans stuff, on canceling CRT. You know, he could have had constitutional carry and repealed red flag laws, but he hasn't done any of that. 
So, but but he likes to use the catchphrases like a lot of people do, Donald Trump included. And for all of Donald Trump's failures, this country saw immense success in its best days under him. And I really do feel like the best days are yet to come. Looking ahead to Friday and our big show that we have then, we've got a massive show on Friday, uh, congressional hearings up on the Senate side of the V. Capitol Hill have, have began today, Noah, and, and one of our favorite cabinet members, um, mm. I, I don't have the data, Alejandro Mayorkas, DHS secretary, he was under the hot light. Alejandro? He wasn't looking too good. He wasn't sounding too good. And you want to know what? I'm going to give our listenership in our last audio clip of the day a little bit of preview of what we'll be covering on Friday. Let's hear it. And I will tell you, the men and women of the Border Patrol, they've never had a political leader undermine them. They despise you, Mr. Secretary, because you're willing to let children be raped to follow political orders. This is a crisis. It's a disgrace. And you won't even admit this human tragedy is a crisis. Claiming one minute chairman time, Mr. Secretary, would you like to respond to any of those questions? What the senator said was revolting. I'm not going to address it. Your refusal to do your job is revolting. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a little bit of preview. What's going on? Listen, there would be more fire from Ted Cruz. Senator Hawley was coming in hot as well, as were several of our favorite congressional counterparts up there on Capitol Hill. And we'll be providing a little bit of coverage and, and, and getting into the bare bones of that because what's going on on the southern border right now, much like the war in Ukraine, much like the mass shootings and hate crimes that are going on across the country, much like the banking and housing crisis that everybody completely ignores, much like the rise of China, all is completely being ignored because Donald Trump is apparently finished. And that's kind of what the whole premise of the show was today, to, to allow you guys to take a peek, even though you see all these little flashpoints and, you know, breaking news here, breaking news there. Where do they go after the breaking news? I don't see anybody talking about anything that, you know, hour after hour after hour on legacy media is Donald Trump going to jail and does Donald Trump need to stop making fun of Ron DeSantis? That's all we're hearing right now. Yeah. And uh, we kind of wanted to deconstruct that for you today. I think we did a good job with it. We're going to continue to do that good job right now as we're getting ready to jump in with Joe Kemp. But before we do that, we're going to hear from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is handpicked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. You enter promo code STEAK here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show, he's the uh, America First candidate looking to run and make Washington 3 great again. It's been way too long since he's been on, but our listenership will be very happy to welcome back Mr. Joe Kent. Thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. Always a pleasure, sir. You've been busy lately. How's everything going with you? It's going good. We kicked off the uh, the campaign all over again in January. So just hitting uh, all the different events throughout the community and just trying to fundraise and uh, really expose just how radical my opponent's record is. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame to see what's going up. 
what's going on up there in Washington three. And uh, we really look forward to your candidacy and, and hopefully eventual capturing that house seat for uh, America first. So you had a pretty big event this weekend with one of our great friends, Mr. Raheem Kassam. Do you want to tell our listenership a little bit about that? Yeah. Raheem is a true Patriot. He, uh, he said, Hey, how can I help? And we said, can you come out and do an event with us? And he did. He flew right out. He, uh, he charged us only a bottle of gin, um, for his services. So he came out and, uh, had a couple of drinks with us, really rocked the house, raised us a bunch of money. Uh, we had a really cool venue up in Chehalis, which is kind of in the center of our district, a little bit smaller of a town, but just great Americans out there. We really turned out for Raheem. Uh, it was just it was just a uh, great time being with like-minded folks and just uh, hearing from Raheem. Yeah, you know, I remember throughout the course of the election cycle, for as many times as you were on the show with us, was well over a dozen you did a couple podcasts with Raheem as well he's always spoke extremely highly of you same as you know President Trump has always spoken extremely highly of you as well as well Joe and we need to get you up there in Congress so it's great to see that he came and, and turned out a great crowd and, and fundraised for you uh it's it's part of the uh you know, important things that go into running a successful campaign. Obviously, you know that having ran in 2022. So how are things looking for 2024? How is the, you know, constituents up there not satisfied with who's currently representing the district in Congress? And, and how are you turning heads now and, and winning over hearts and minds up there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I only lost by about 2,600 votes, less yep. than a percentage point. Um, unfortunately, with Republicans, and I think this is something that we have to work on, we're already working on it. It's our, our voter turnout strategy. Uh, the Democrats are not the majority of this district, but what they did was they did a really good job of turning out the majority of their voters. We as Republicans, I think we, we like to say, hey, I have the best message. Come ask me any question that you have and then take your own initiative to vote. And that, that works for a large swath of Republicans, but there are a lot of folks who simply won't take that initiative. However, if you get a ballot in front of them, they're, they're our voters. They're going to vote Republican. These people are just busy. They're working two or three jobs, especially in this economy. Um, so we had about 80,000 Republicans who simply just didn't turn out. These are voters who voted Republican in 2020 during the presidential. But in, in the midterm, they just didn't participate. And that's actually kind of how our, our trends go here in the district. So we're working on uh, ballot harvesting. It's perfectly legal here in Washington State. We're going to call it get out the vote because some Republicans, they still have like a mental block when you say <laughs> ballot harvesting. Yeah. But we're uh, developing plans of all the local parties just to get out there, get to sporting events, get to churches to make sure that all of our good conservative patriots turn out and cast a ballot. I like it. And, uh, you know, we heard President Trump uh, kind of lead into mastering all ways that voters vote coming up in, in 2024, which is very important, which is, you know, I'll, I'll get some commentary on that from you, Joe. So the 45th president has rolled out his campaign full steam ahead, lots of policy things out there. He's doing a lot more interviews. We've seen him in the legacy media outlets, Newsmax and Fox News over the last 72 hours. In addition to that, he had a huge rally down in Waco, Texas, where about 30,000 people came out and we're still a good year and a half away from the general election. Just having President Trump on the ballot and 2024 most likely and uh seeing how fast he's hit the campaign trail and, and as good as he looks right now what can you tell us uh you know from the outside looking in at, at, at the former president's uh quest to retake the white house well I, I enthusiastically endorse and support president trump uh pretty much ever since he went after jeb bush on the stage stage way back when um uh, so I'm, I'm really excited that he is on the campaign trail i'm excited to have him on the ballot so i mean the stakes are just too high right now i understand that Trump's not everyone's cup of tea. Some people don't like the speech and all that, but we're being driven towards World War III. Yeah. The Chinese are poised to attack the U.S. dollar. I mean, look, we, just a couple years ago, we had a stable economy that was recovering from COVID. We weren't involved in any new wars. We were starting to put our nation first. It's, to me, it's just that simple. And I think a lot of folks 
as we get closer to 2024, when all the noise is settled down from the primary, I, I think the American people are going to see that. But I do think it's going to be a fight. Like the Democrats, we know what they did in 2020. Like they fortified the election, however you want to phrase it. We know they're going to do that again, probably with some, some new tricks. So we have got to get out there and we've got to ballot harvest like crazy. We got to watch the boxes, watch the polls. We got to have lawyers ready to go. So I think it's, um, the, the lesson we should take from 2020 is that president Trump alone cannot save us. It's going to take all of us. No, that's an excellent point there. And, you know, you see for a lot of the people who wound up getting in Congress in the 2022 midterms, there there was a big Trump bump that led to, you know, over 230 endorsements that made it uh, into their electable positions. You, you can't discredit the fact that he's not going to go out there and do the work for you. But you, at the same time, especially after the Republican primary is open, we need to have more of a 2016 feel where some of these candidates who just never, ever saw eye to eye with President Trump on the debate stage and the campaign trail rallied behind them down the home stretch to stop Hillary Clinton right. from capturing the White House. I think that's the most important things. Joe, you mentioned some of the geopolitical things that are going on right now. The uh, There seems to be something going on in Syria that's that's sliding under a lot of people's radars. We've obviously been tracking it here on the show. We know you're uh, an expert when it comes to things, especially in the region there. Well. We saw Matt Gates go up in front of the uh, the House last week and say we need to just get American troops out of there and, and stop, uh, you know, American servicemen and women from getting in the line of fire and losing their lives over, you know, protecting some oil fields and, and, and some strategic positions there. But when you talk about fighting a proxy war, it was essentially Iran and Syria at the same time and any leftover elements of uh, ISIS. What are you seeing when you see this developing? Yeah, I mean, this is just absolutely uh, a horrible situation we put ourselves in. We should have been out of Syria before my late wife was killed. That's where she was killed in Mandage, Syria, her and three other Americans. They were killed a month after Trump tried to get our troops out the first time. And Trump tried to get our troops out of Syria the first time because we had accomplished our stated mission. Trump made it very clear. He said, we are going to destroy the Islamic Caliphate because ISIS had taken over large swaths of Iraq and Syria. Yeah. And we beat them back very quickly because of Trump's leadership. And then when we got rid of all the, the uh, ground that, that ISIS held in Syria, Trump said, let's get the troops out. But that's when the administrative state, General Mattis and so many others rallied against President Trump to leave our troops there. And then Congress, a couple months later, they prevented Trump from being able to pull out the troops as well. So right now, we have no business being in Syria. The, the original mission is over. Right now, it is a five-sided civil war between uh, the Assad regime, backed by Iran, backed by Russia, against Sunnis and uh, members of al-Qaeda, remnants of ISIS. But then you've also got the Turks and the Kurds in the mix. We had to partner with some of the Kurds that have a little bit more sketchy backgrounds. These aren't the Iraqi Kurds that we've known for decades. Right. The Syrian Kurds are a little bit different. So we, we partnered with them because we had an enemy with ISIS. But they're at war. They've been at war for decades with Turkey. So our guys are there caught in the middle. And so really, it's just a matter of any given day. Are we going to get into a war with Iran that spills over into a further hot war with Russia and Assad? Or are we going to get into a shooting contest caught between the Kurds and the Turks? We gain absolutely nothing from how much that we're risking. So Matt Gates and the other Republicans and a few Democrats that back him were spot on. Our troops should be out of there. We're just really just making ourselves vulnerable for no vital national security yeah, and the biggest thing, I mean, Joe, you know more than anybody, we've talked about the sacrifice that you and your family has made over the course of our foreign conflicts. More men and service women coming home in, in caskets is just the last thing that the American public wants to see right now. You know, I think one of the biggest uh, 
tinderboxes that we have when it comes to having a healthy debate on forever wars as to what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. I know, Joe, last week you probably were tracking that historic meeting, the state visit between uh, Xi Jinping of China and, and Vladimir Putin out there in Moscow. And now when you see the rise of the BRICS nations, the delegitimization of the uh, American currency on the global scale, and where that war is heading, Ukraine's taken some pretty big losses in some of their major cities that they were trying to uh, hold in the Donbass region over the last couple weeks how do you think we we get these guys to the negotiation table and how do you think this ends does it not end until 2024 potentially and can we wait that long i mean the short answer is i i don't think that we can wait that long the problem is every day that goes on with the status quo of the u.s and sort of nato supplying unlimited amounts of aid to, to the fight in ukraine every day that goes on we lose more and more leverage we have to actually get these guys to negotiate and say well for right now i think for a limited time we still are in the driver's seat where we could offer uh, Putin and offer uh, Zelensky an ability to, to de-escalate. Let them figure out the details on the border, but, you know, condition any more aid uh, on Zelensky being active at the table. And then offer Russia an off-ramp while we still can. And we, we may have missed our window for this based on the conversations that she and Putin had. Sure. But offer them a way back into the world economy. Because what we did when we threw that massive kitchen sink uh, of sanctions at Russia... We drove them right into the arms of China. And, and, you know, a lot of us have been warning of this for, for years now. I mean, Professor Mershmeyer and other great geopolitical thinkers have been talking about this now for over a decade. And this has always been a threat. You don't want Russia and China to consolidate a massive population that controls world shipping, that controls world manufacturing, combining with Russia that is a nuclear power that is a uh, energy superhouse, a superpower. And so now you have China stepping in really as the world leader saying that, hey, they can broker a, a, some sort of a peace uh, deal in Ukraine. But also, I mean, the biggest news, I think, is Putin saying that he's going to start making payments to the rest of the world using the yuan. That's essentially saying that he's not going to make international transactions anymore with the dollar. Between that and then uh, Xi getting the Saudis to accept yuan as payment for Petro, that takes away the petrodollar. We are starting to lose our status as a prime reserve currency holder, and the Chinese don't play around. Like They're going to attack us, but it's not going to be militarily. They're going after the, the beating heart of our economy, and we're playing right into their hands. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think that uh, you know China is going to launch some preemptive strike at Taiwan in the middle of the night at some point in the extremely near future. I think a lot of our... Uh very unqualified four stars in the Joint Chiefs, et cetera, kind of hype that up to make America not want to, you know, find, like you said, an exit ramp to end the hostilities between Russia and Ukraine. But the fact of the matter is they don't even have to fire off a single bullet when they can strangle, uh, you know, America as a country by completely destroying our economy and, you know, getting rid of the uh, dollar as the national or, or I'm sorry, the global currency. So I, I think you're dead on there, Joe. And I definitely think moving forward, we're going to continue to track that as we continue to track you. And we'll be looking forward to having you back on the show again soon. For anybody that's not following you, we're going to live link your uh campaign website in the show description today where can we find you on social media awesome uh joe kent for congress.com that's the place to make any kind of donations uh, get my schedule and all that uh but joe kent 16 jan 19 twitter getter truth and the same thing uh on facebook as well so joe kent 16 jan 19 that's actually the date that my late wife was killed uh in syria in 2019 can't say enough good things about you, Joe, and we look forward to having you on the show again. Looking to make Washington 3 great again. This is Mr. Joe Kent. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Take care.
Not a bad way to start the week. What do you think, Noah? Not bad at all. I wasn't lying when I said I was going to read some of those five stars today. This one's from (laughs) Great Lakes Patriots. I look forward to listening to every episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Only I wish it was a daily show. The interjection of humorous drops, insightful commentary, MAGA world guests, and the foul language is the perfect mix for a no-holds-bar show that takes it to the Marxists and their rhino collaborators. Keep it up, guys. Nice. And then this one from Based Mama Bear. We need more steak for breakfast. Two days a week surely isn't enough. You see where I'm going with this, Noah? Oh, come on. You guys have the best guest lineup on the internet. I would prefer starting every day off with the show, but until that day, I will celebrate what I get. Thanks, guys. Oh, you start the crowdfunding. And we love you. If you enjoyed this episode of the show and now want to hear the over 200 other editions of the podcast, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Podata, Google Podcasts, or even in the Samsung Store. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share steak for breakfast content show creds go to all of our amazing guests today congressman representing florida seven mr Corey mills gavin wax the president of the new york young republicans club and candidate for washington three mr joe kent thanks guys for taking time out of your busy schedule to help make steaks great again guys don't forget to go out and support our partners because when you do that you're helping make small american businesses great again as well namely my pillow listen mike lindell does a lot And when he's not urging Donald Trump to uh, resist early voting and ballot harvesting, he's launching amazing products like MyPillow 2.0. If you enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. Same promo code for the coffee, 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash STAKE if you want the pillows. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash STAKE. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever owned can only be found at Odyssey. If you're in the studio recording, doing a little podcasting and such, make the investment, get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website there. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. No man rubs this week, Noah. It's a shame. Got a little bit of the uh, stomach bug going around my house. So a little bit of chicken soup and a little bit of a goldfish cracker. Lots of ginger ale. Get this man a hot toddy. There you go. When you order <laughs> anything for man grubs, man, type it. Man grubs? Man rubs. <laughs> Enter promo code STEAK. You're going to get 15% off your total order. Manrubs.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Here's a blast from the past. Don't mistreat your meat. Oh, I like it. My Patriot Cigars. Go and support them and our good friend Alan, who's the CEO of the company. Enter promo code STEAK here. You're getting 15% off your total order. Every order over 100 bucks, free shipping, $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. And our newest partner, Farmer Pills Premium Beef Jerky. And a promo code stake here, you're getting 5 bucks off your order. Put together a 12-pack, you're getting free shipping. Check out all the great products they've got going on at FarmerBillsProvisions.com. Upcoming shows, I claimed that we're going to have a heater on Friday. I meant it. Mm. Congressman Max Miller is going to be here. Nice. Brian Lee, big-time Newsmax contributor, is going to be here as well. Speaking of big-time contributors, investigative journalist John Solomon circling back. We're going to have Brendan Dilley on the show for the first time ever. It's going to be a big episode of Steak for Breakfast podcast. Flying into the month of April, Christina Bob and Rasmussen reports top pollster Mark Mitchell will be here on the 4th. Jake Denton's coming in on the 14th, I think. 
Jim Dell's going to be in studio that day as well. Josh Hammer scheduled for the 18th, and uh, we'll round out the rest of the month. Don't y'all worry about that. Friends of the Week. Let me pull up my list right here. Writing all these amazing five stars. Let's see. I thought you were going to read some bad reviews. No, those are. Um, we've been getting some good ones lately. All right, let's throw it out. The Dilly 300. Shell, thanks for the follow train. Ready, Noah? Coming in hot. Ghost Hammer? We love you. Spoopy. 1776 Jess. Matt Haramio. JC Wilson. You claim that we have the best podcast. Not in a review, but on Twitter. Still counts. Nightwing X, Tick Tick Boom, Ultra Maga Fan, Tickle Tex, Ash in America, Andrew C, The Last Refuge Count, and William S is always sharing steak for breakfast content. Meme Team, Lauren Eve, Machiavelli Memes, Soul Memes, Hugh White Memes, Machiavelli Memes, you can read it twice this week. Dumbass Photoshop, Silent Majority, Right Wing Savages 2.0, That Southern Dude Mostly Peaceful. We can't ever forget, let's go, Brenda. Didn't have any not friends of the week, I don't think, to this point. Mm. Weeks early, we'll get blocked by some Ron DeSantis astroturfing accounts on Twitter. Yep. Guys, thanks to remember between now and Friday. Number one, do your own research. Most important thing you could probably do. Number two, start a podcast. Yeah, not bad. In and out today. That's what she said. Mm. Got me. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We gave you a heaping helping of Donald Trump rally style, interview style. That's American greatness. The meltdowns that happen before and after he speaks, <laughs> not so much. We need to start talking about American greatness again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 225 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back 226 on Friday. John Solomon, Brian Lee, Max Miller, and Brandon Dilly. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Ron. Noah? Later. Guys, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week, and take care. sir i'm afraid there's been a mistake i believe you found our dog and we need to take him home no way get lost kid he's my dog now well we figured you'd say no to us but not to vice president joe biden oh my god mr vice president first i want to thank you vic for shooting the guy we said was osama bin laden second give these kids their dog back of course sir i'm so sorry here take him thank you You're a great American. Thanks, Mr. Biden. No problem. Hey, you guys watch Veep? No. Yeah, it's all fake. Yeah, we said no.